Hey there, hi there, ho there, y'all. This is Chase Carrico with Spotlight Impressions. Uh, in this episode, we have a little bit of a twofer, or maybe a little more than a twofer. We will be talking about Amon Ra St. Brown and DJ Chark, both wide receivers for the Detroit Lions. Uh, really, I'll talk a little bit about all of their pass catchers. I'll go a little bit more in depth about Jamison Williams in addition to our two main guys today. Uh, so let's jump in. I'm going to be going back and forth for the most part between the two players. Um, we'll see if that's the best way to do this, but that is my plan. A little bit about Amon Ross St. Brown first. He is a six foot, 197 pound wide receiver. So a little bit on the small side, not quite too short or too light, but uh, he's definitely not big for the position. He was selected by the Lions in the fourth round of the 2021 draft and played his rookie season last year with the Lions. He is 22 years old and he turns 23 in October. DJ Chark, on the other hand, is a 6'4", 210-pound wide receiver, uh, of course, currently with the Lions. So he's a little bit bigger. Uh, he's got very nice size for a wide receiver. And he was selected by the Jacksonville Jaguars in the second round of the 2018 draft. So he has played four seasons with the Jaguars and is 25 years old at the moment and turns 26 in September. ARSB, uh, so uh, I'd like to mix things up a little bit, so I'm going to call Amon Ross St. Brown ARSB at different times in this podcast, I'm sure of it. He had a productive rookie season as a whole. He put up a receiving total of 119 targets, 90 receptions, 912 yards, and five touchdowns, um, which pretty dang good for a rookie, while looking like the team's number one receiver and the target leader on the season. He also contributed seven rushing attempts for 61 yards and another touchdown on the ground. All that resulted in St. Brown finishing as wide receiver 21 overall in half PPR, um, as always half PPR is going to be the stats that I reference here, and wide receiver 26 in points per game last season. The Lions actually suffered a bunch of injuries, especially on offense last year, um, which was maybe part of the reason why they were so bad. Of course, they were not particularly good when healthy either, but the injuries, I can't imagine, helped. Although, maybe they, it did help uh, St. Brown break out a little bit. They had four players who received 70-plus targets on the year. Those were in descending order. St. Brown tied in TJ Hawkinson, running back DeAndre Swift, and wide receiver Khalif Raymond. Uh, ARSB was the only of those four to play all 17 games. He led the team in targets, and also targets per game, but that does not tell the whole story to me. All four of St. Brown, Hawk, Swift, and Raymond played in each of the first 11 games, and in that span, Amon-Ra was only on pace, uh, well, he was on pace to be more than 25 targets behind both Hawkinson and Swift, and was barely out-targeting Raymond. He only had one more target on the season, up to that point. However, in the final six games, Hawkinson missed five of them, Swift missed four, and Raymond missed one. In their absence, St. Brown received double-digit targets each game, while his previous high was only eight. And perhaps even more impressively, in two of those games, the quarterback was not Jared Goff, it was Tim Boyle, and... Uh, despite that, Amon Ross still produced. One of those games, Boyle was abysmal. Not that he was good in either one of them, but uh, for Amon Ra to actually have a good fantasy day with him at quarterback, 
doing what he did was pretty impressive for his part. So uh, ARSB's target pace in that span in those last six weeks would have been second in all of the NFL, just barely behind Cooper Cup for first. So my question, and I think the question for him, is where on that spectrum should we be evaluating him looking into 2022? So DJ Chark, worth mentioning, just came in free agency on a one-year $10 million deal. Um, So this is probably going to be a little bit of a prove-it season. He is not necessarily long-term for the Lions, uh, nor do I really personally expect him to be. Uh, Like I said, we're going to talk a little bit about Jamison Williams, too. And I think Jamison Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown would make a really good uh, wide receiver duo. I don't necessarily think they're going to need DJ Chark moving forward, but it kind of makes sense, I think, for both sides to try to play it out this year. Uh, So Chark played all four of his seasons so far with the Jaguars before coming over in free agency. As a rookie, he was pretty unremarkable. With Blake Bortles as the primary quarterback, he was an afterthought. Had 32 targets, just 14 receptions, 174 scoreless yards, and 11 games played. Year 2 was Chark's only appearance so far as a top 40 fantasy wide receiver. In the season that introduced Gardner Minshew to the world, Chark led the team in targets, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. In 15 games, Chark turned 118 targets into 73 receptions, 1,008 yards, and 8 touchdowns in his breakout year. He was the wide receiver 16.5 PPR that year overall, wide receiver 17 in points per game. In 2020, that was the year the Jaguars went 1-15, with Minshew starting 8 games, and then the other 8 being started by a combination of Mike Glennon and Jake Luton. So, tough year for the Jaguars there. Not a particularly great year for Chark either. Chark played 13 games and still led the team in targets, but was not nearly as effective as the previous year. He recorded 93 targets, 53 receptions, 706 yards, and 5 touchdowns. He finished as just the wide receiver 49 overall, wide receiver 42 in points per game. And then last year, 2021, Chark caught only seven passes in four games, through, uh, though two of those seven went for touchdowns. He had an ankle fracture in week four that knocked him out for the remainder of the season, so we didn't get to see much of him last year in Trevor Lawrence's rookie season. It was pretty unclear through three weeks what the wide receiver pecking order was, as Chark LaVisca Chenault and Marvin Jones all had 20-plus targets in those first three games. Chark had a really weird but technically pretty nice week one with 12 targets, three receptions, 86 yards, and a touchdown. 12 targets and three receptions you don't see too too often. Um, Lots of targets, not very many receptions, but I'll take just about any game where you get 86 yards and a touchdown out of a wide receiver. His 17-game pace for that little three weeks, which very small sample size, um, was, again, weird, but technically solid. 125 targets, which that'd be nice. Just 40 receptions. That's not so nice. And 873 yards. Okay. And 11 touchdowns, which would be great. Uh, so that's what we have for Chark heading into this year. So going to kind of dive in a little bit deeper to each of these players' last uh, season with any decent amount of sample size. I've already talked about uh, the most and really only discernible trend to my eyes to Amon Ra's rookie season. Basically, when he got volume, he was at least solid. Otherwise, he was not. And, of course, that volume came most when the key offensive pieces on the team were unable to play. 
In the eight games where he received eight or more targets, he scored 10 or more fantasy points all eight times. In the nine games he received fewer than eight targets, he never had more than 8.1 fantasy points. So you had a 100% hit rate on eight or more targets and a 0% hit rate on fewer than eight. Uh, when looking at fantasy points per target, that stat that I've liked looking at lately, he was pretty average, 48 out of 91 wide receivers with 50 or more targets. In fantasy points per reception, he was even lower at 73rd. Um, a few things did stand out when looking at his stuff. As was thought to be the case in college, St. Brown showed phenomenal hands. His catch percentage of 75.6% was 6th among those 91 receivers. He was in the elite company of players like Hunter Renfro, Chris Godwin, and Cooper Cup in catch percentage. He also only dropped one pass. Among players with more than 65 targets, only Tyler Boyd and Tyler Lockett who both had zero drops, had a lower drop rate. Uh, something that may have helped his drop, low drop rate and made it possible was his average depth of target being just 7.1, which ranked 111th out of 125 wide receivers with 25 targets. Uh, he only broke two tackles, but he averaged 4.7 yards after the catch. Um, so two tackles broken is not particularly elusive. He had a really low broken tackle rate, but his yak average was in the top third of wide receivers. So he was able, um, maybe not to break a tackle, uh, but to find open space after he caught the ball, that short a dot average depth of target maybe helps that too. Um, his passer rating when targeted was also in the top third. Interestingly enough, um, I don't know what this means. It probably doesn't mean anything as far as playing time goes, but I do think it's worthwhile pointing out. Um, St. Brown had higher catch rates and lower drop rates than Khalif Raymond, but otherwise Raymond rated better in almost every other metric. He had more yards per catch, yards per target, a higher average depth of target, a higher yak average, a higher broken tackle rate, a higher passer rating when targeted, and a lower interception rate than when he was targeted. So all of those things, you could make a case that Khalif Raymond was a more efficient wide receiver than St. Brown last year. Just saying. Like I said, we didn't really get to see a whole bunch of DJ Chark last year with the ankle injury, so I'm going to go back to 2020 uh, to look into his more in-depth stats. Uh, that season, Chark finished 56th in fantasy points per target, that was out of 87 wide receivers with at least 50 targets. His yardage and touchdown efficiency per target were pretty mediocre relative to other wide receivers, but I think that was largely due to a low catch rate uh, because he was solid, at least solid, in yardage and touchdowns per reception. So when he caught the ball, he did a little bit better than most wide receivers, but just on a target basis, he was pretty meh. Uh, Chark was in the top 20 receivers in terms of average depth of target with 14, but was near the bottom in terms of yards after catch. With 53 receptions, he broke zero tackles, um, and five of his 93 targets ended up as interceptions. Without watching the actual plays, I cannot comment if those were the fault of the quarterback or Chark, but that really high interception total feels worth noting. In addition to St. Brown and Chark, um, I can kind of combine this segment into one for both of them. The other competition that they have at wide receiver 
the the four guys who figure to at least try to push for some playing time at some point during the season are Jamison Williams, Quintez Cephas, Khalif Raymond, and Josh Reynolds. So I'm going to probably spend, not probably, definitely spend the most time in this segment talking about Jamison Williams. Uh, so here we go. In my opinion, Williams has the highest ceiling of any wide receiver on the team. More than St. Brown, more than Chark, but that may have to be a long-term view. Williams is an incoming rookie whom the Lions selected in the first round of this year's NFL Draft. The Lions actually traded up to get him, sending picks 32, 34, and 66 to the Vikings to receive the 46th pick and the 12th pick, which they used to draft Williams. Um, Given the cost it usually takes to move up in the first round, I think that was a pretty great trade. Um... Really, really like that. And also, uh, a good sign for Williams. Typically, if a team trades up, that means they really wanted a certain player. So, I think they definitely have Jamison Williams as a big part of their long-term plans. However, the Lions knew they were drafting at least a little bit of a project. Um, Here's some of the stuff that I compiled on Williams before the draft. He played two quiet seasons at Ohio State before blowing up at Alabama in his third and final college season. He went for over 1,500 yards. He went for 15 touchdowns in 15 games. At 6'1", 179 pounds, he's got decent height, um, but the weight's a little bit lower than you'd like. It could be a little bit of a concern. He actually has similar size, kind of, to Amon Ross St. Brown. He looks very fast on the field. He breaks away from defenders using his speed better than anyone in the class. He led all of college football with 11 touchdowns of 30 or more yards. His college drop rate was actually a little bit high, so that could be a concern. But again, pairs very nicely with St. Brown, who has phenomenal hands. Um, he really could have been considered the top wide receiver in this class, if not for the fact that he tore his ACL on January 10th in the college football playoff national championship game. For Williams to be game ready by week one this year, he would need about an eight-month recovery. Most ACL tears take at least eight to nine months to recover though some can take as little as six months. But in my head, most of them take nine to 12. There are a lot of different factors that go into injuries and healing, uh, and I'm not going to go into all of them, or very many of them actually, but I generally feel like ACL tears cost you at least one season one way or another. It feels like a lot of athletes return the next year and aren't quite the same until the year after that. You see a lot of examples of that. We've had a couple here recently in the last couple of years, Players like Saquon Barkley and Cortland Sutton, who tore their ACLs, came back the following year, and didn't have the season that you really expect of them. But overall, I really like the talent of Williams. I'm not sure what to hope for him with this season. With training camp going on right now, he's currently on the non-football injury list. It sounds to me uh, like there's a good chance he misses at least some games at the beginning of the season. And if he ends up on the reserve NFI list, he will have to miss at least the first six. But I think he makes it back on the field sometime this year. And he really could put pressure on the rest of the receivers to keep up with him, even if there are some rookie adjustments that he has to make. Moving on to the other guys, a little more brief. Khalif Raymond was second among Lions wide receivers last year in targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns while playing 16 of the 17 games. Josh Reynolds was claimed off of waivers in Week 10 and really surpassed Raymond as the wide receiver 2 on the team from Week 11 on. Uh, to start training camp, Reynolds was working with the starters alongside Chark and St. Brown. So again, Jamison Williams not playing right now. 
they, it does look like Reynolds has the inside track to be the third starting wide receiver. Then we have Quintez Cephas. He was competing with St. Brown and Raymond for targets in the first four games of the season before suffering a season-ending collarbone injury in Week 5. He had 10 or more fantasy points in three of those first four games, including two touchdowns. So uh, Cephas could definitely factor in as the third or fourth wide receiver on this team as well. And then at other positions, I always like to hit this. Uh, the Lions are really kind of balanced throughout their skill positions. Uh, we have TJ Hawkinson, who should have the tight end position on lockdown, and DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, who both figure to work themselves into the passing game at running back. Um, Hawkinson, uh, even missing five games, he had 84 targets last year, um, while no other Lions tight end got to 20. With seven targets per game, Hawkinson ranked fifth in the NFL among all tight ends, and listen to the guys he was behind. Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski. That's it. He had a really high target volume for a tight end. And then... Through week 11, his 116 target pace was leading the team, and Swift wasn't too far behind. He was on a 108 target pace. At six targets per game, he was tied with Leonard Fournette for the highest average among all running backs. So they have a tight end and a running back that they get majorly involved in the passing game, and I think they're going to do it again. Uh, and then mentioned Jamal Williams, another running back. He played in 13 games. He got just 28 targets, but nine of those came in week one. And after that, he averaged 1.6 per game. Now, as I've liked to do with these podcasts, I'm going to take a look at the best-case and worst-case fantasy scenarios for these players. So I'll start with the best-case scenario for both of them. Um, I'm on Ross St. Brown. In the first 12 weeks of the season, uh, the primary weeks when the Lions' offense was healthy, the target breakdown was about 48.3% to the wide receivers, 28.5% to the running backs, and 23.2% to the tight ends. Um, so we could be looking at something like that. That seemed to be what they wanted to do when everybody on the offense was healthy. In the back end of the year, the wide receiver target breakdown skyrocketed from that for, uh, from that 48.3% mark to a whopping 714 that's not realistic, but we can argue that with the breakout of Amon Ross St. Brown, the addition of DJ Chark, who might be better than anybody else other than St. Brown that the Lions had last year, and the hopeful addition of Jamison Williams, it should be reason to increase the market share, maybe not to 71%, but up. So let's say Jared Goff throws for about the same number uh, of total attempts last year, but he gives 56% of the targets to wide receivers. That results in about 316 total targets available for all of those wide receivers we mentioned. Weeks 1 through 12, St. Brown was getting about 30% of the wide receiver targets. But after week 12, he was getting nearly 48%. Uh, so if he establishes himself as the true and clear number one wide receiver for the Lions, I don't think he can get up to 48% with... Uh, Chark there, and then eventually, hopefully, Jamison Williams. Um, but maybe Williams does come along a little bit slow, and St. Brown ends up with about 42% of the wide receiver targets. Um, so again, this is best-case scenario. Not what I'm projecting, but what I think his ceiling is. Uh, that would be good for 133 targets. And if he maintains his elite catch percentage, 
we could be looking at a season of 101 receptions, 1,422 yards, and maybe eight touchdowns. That amounts to 240.7 fantasy points, which is typically the last several years somewhere between wide receiver 3 and wide receiver 10. So uh, I, I do think it is in the range of outcomes that Amon Ross St. Brown is a wide receiver 1 this year. Probably not the wide receiver 1, but I think he could be a top 10 or 12 guy. Um, and this doesn't even factor in the possibility that he gets a few designed rushing attempts and maybe pads the stats that way like he did last year. Okay, so now we can look at maybe what DJ Chark's best case scenario is. Um, let's use the same logic and say that we think the wide receiver room is better this year, so the wide receivers get a few more targets this year than they were on pace to at the beginning of the year last year. Um, so that would be 316 wide receiver targets. And I really think that there's a chance that Chark and St. Brown end up splitting most of the work more than people think. I think the consensus is that St. Brown is going to be the wide receiver one, and I lean that way as well. But I think Chark's going to compete with him for it, um, and it could be closer than a lot of people think. Um, so if Jameson Williams doesn't make things work yet as a rookie coming off the injury, there's a chance to me that Chark could bring in like 30% of the wide receiver targets himself, which would give him about 95 targets. And then let's say Chark regresses a little bit closer to his 2019 breakout season as far as catch percentage goes. Um, and then in that case, he could get 58 receptions, which optimistically could give him 789 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, that would amount to 149.9 fantasy points, which is typically between wide receiver 32 and wide receiver 43. Um, so I thought my best case scenario for him was going to be a little bit higher than that. Uh, looking at this, not super encouraged where I think if a lot of things go right for you that you're a back end wide receiver three. Now to look at the worst case scenario for both of these guys. Um, again, n worse than what I'm projecting, but I do think maybe possible. Um, let's say the Lions are really set to embrace Hawkinson and Swift as their offense and they return to the market share that they were using at the beginning of last year. That would leave just 267 wide receiver targets available. Um, so worst case scenario for St. Brown, um, let's say he and Chark do start the season competing for the top target role, and then, even if it's a few weeks later, Jameson Williams eventually joins the conversation. Um, I, if everything goes right for Jameson Williams, he could be the wide receiver one for this team by the end of the year. And if that's the case, uh, maybe this is even a little bit too high, I would have Amon Ross St. Brown getting about 32% of the wide receiver targets, and that, with only 267 available, would just be 85. Um, and then if his catch percentage drops just a bit, uh, still great, but not quite as elite as he was last year. His yardage efficiency stays the same, and touchdowns don't really come his way. Amon Ross St. Brown could end up with 58 receptions, 620 yards, and two touchdowns which would total 103 fantasy points, and that's typically between wide receiver 57 and 67. So worst case scenario, that's that's not a very useful player. And if you thought I was down on DJ Chark's best case scenario, here's his worst case scenario in my eyes. Um, so again, let's give him those 267 targets that are available for the wide receivers. Let's say St. Brown is the very clear wide receiver one all the way through. He beats out Chark for targets, and then Jamison Williams comes back and eventually pushes Chark back to wide receiver three. 
Um, in that case, I'm going to say Chark gets about 24% of the wide receiver targets, which would be about 64 of them. And then using his mediocre career catch percentage, his 2020 yards per reception, and assuming touchdowns don't really come his way, he could end up with a season of just 35 receptions, 465 yards, and a touchdown, which would be just 70 fantasy points, which is typically between wide receiver 78 and wide receiver 96. Black. Now my actual prediction, my actual advice my expectation is the the Lions are going to throw to the wide receiver a little bit more this year, but not drastically more. They might get 51% of a wide receiver share for the targets, which could be about 283 available to the position. I do think St. Brown is going to likely start the year as their wide receiver one. I do think Chark's going to make it closer than some people think, um, but St. Brown's going to get it. And then Williams might not come back until week seven or maybe even later. Um, even then, he probably wouldn't be 100%. But by the end of the year, he's going to be something. Even if St. Brown is the number one, I do think Williams is going to diminish that role just a bit. Um, so on the season, I'm going to give him 36% of their wide receiver targets, which could give ARSB 102 targets on the year. I'm going to project him with similar efficiency compared to last year, but a little bit higher of a touchdown rate. And that would result in something like 77 receptions, 781 yards, and 5 touchdowns. That would be 146.6 fantasy points. Again, without considering any possibility that he's going to get some rushing points too. Uh, and that is typically in the wide receiver 32 to a wide receiver 46 range. Um, so worth drafting, but not awesome. I was a little bit worried that I was too low on him coming into this podcast. Um, I ended up on him as my wide receiver 33, um, but now that I've done more research, I feel a lot more comfortable with that projection. Um, and then with his ADP being wide receiver 20 in the fifth round, I'll probably not be drafting any ARSB in redraft leagues. My best advice for him, um, and this is something that you can use for a lot of players in fantasy football, just follow the volume. As a talent, I like Amon Ross St. Brown, but I don't love him. If he gets a lot of targets, I think he's going to be good. But if he doesn't get a lot, and I mean a lot, of targets, it's going to be difficult for him to produce at a really high level. I do think the first half of the season could be better for him, assuming no one else gets injured. Um, that could make him a better draft value than the end of the season. If in week one, it looks like he's clearly the wide receiver one, um, and he's going to get eight-plus targets most games, ride that wave until it crashes. If a couple weeks in, he and Chark are splitting the work, and he's only getting five or six targets a game, consider moving on. Maybe try to trade him after a decent week. If Jameson Williams looks like he's taking over the number one role at the end of the year, then I would definitely be comfortable being out on ARSB moving forward. He has a really broad range of outcomes in my book. And Chark. Um, again, going with that 51% of the targets going to wide receivers, 283 available. Um, Williams may not come back until week seven, but even then, uh, there's a chance that he's going to make things worse for Chark in the back half. On the season, I'm going to give Chark 27% of the wide receiver targets, which may only be around 76, giving him roughly his career productivity results in something like 43 receptions, 598 yards, and four touchdowns. 
that would be 105.3 fantasy points, which has been in the range of wide receiver 55 to wide receiver 64. Chark is my wide receiver 58 in my rankings, and with his ADP being wide receiver 57, even in the 12th round, uh, that kind of lines up. Still, I don't see myself likely drafting Chark in redraft. Getting the wide receiver 58 in the 12th round is not a value, and I don't think the upside with him is all that high. Most players going in that range, going that late, have floors of irrelevance like Chark does, but there, you should be taking swings at players who have a chance to be better than a back-end wide receiver 3 at the best. Uh, most of the guys going around him have more upside, in my opinion at least, um, and I, I would go with somebody else. Especially if you have an IR slot on your roster, I'd be more comfortable taking Jamison Williams that uh, that late than DJ Chark. He's probably going to miss some time, but if you can draft him in the 12th round and throw him on your IR slot, that's, he's probably going to, I think, have a better end of the year than Chark, do, Chark does. And if he hits, he's going to hit higher. Um, just because the upside there with Williams absolutely exists. I think he's very good. I don't really think he's going to have a phenomenal season, but at least he's worth a, a swing. Um, there's a good chance Chark has at least a good game or two, but I think it's going to be pretty difficult to anticipate those. So, I mean, if you can get him in a super late in a best ball draft, sure, that might not be the worst pick. Uh, he does have five career touchdowns of 30 yards or more. Um, and, of course, you have to hold on to him in Dynasty, or at least I, I think you have to. But I'm I'm not super thrilled with Chark anything as anything other than just a total dart throw in um, the DFS or best ball. Alright, so that is pretty much the Detroit Lions wide receiver room, and particularly Amon Ross St. Brown and DJ Chark. That's all I've got for you on them. If you made it this far, again, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, Enjoyed doing this one yet again. Uh, And I will let you hear me next time. Take it easy. (laughs) Thank you.